There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about infertility, IVF, and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Gabby. And I'm Emma. And we've both been trying for a baby for a really long time. And so far, actually, one of us might be pregnant. Episode 19. Ooh. Whoop, whoop, whoop. It's pretty much Christmas. It is pretty much Christmas, yeah. Do you know how else we know it's pretty much Christmas? Because of our party. Because we had a Christmas party. We had a party. Oh my God. It was fun, wasn't it fun? It was loads of fun. Oh my God. Can I just say that so many people rocked up on their own? Yes. Yeah. Not knowing anyone. Just like... I was so impressed. Like, so much braver than I ever would be. Totally. I don't know if I could do that. I mean, I only do any of this because I'm like you've got you with me yeah. I'm just like two of us but yeah loads of people showed up now I don't know anyone but it was like a, the perfect place to do that because everyone was super friendly yeah they were just so many lovely people yeah absolutely um and Met loads of potential friends I'll be uh hounding you all for uh <laughs> trying to cement those friendships over the next couple of months yeah and just I just had some really nice chats with like a load of people who are going through just such similar things Mm. And it was really nice. Absolutely. We had a bit of a, an issue with the venue because oh, yeah. when we arrived, they hadn't actually booked us a room at all. It was just like the front of the pub. Yeah, it was just like an area. Like of all places, the front of the pub. Yeah. Where people come in and try to sit down immediately. Yeah, and they were sitting down, weren't they? Yeah, so we had to like <laughs> kick them all out and then guard our territory <laughs> like a pair of Rottweilers. It was funny though. It what was did you funny. do? Yeah, I did all right. She did, she did bouncering. <laughs> great semi bouncer um but yeah thank you so much to everyone that came it was brilliant to everyone that couldn't make it we'll do it again don't worry yeah spurred on by such a great night yeah absolutely definitely do it again just such a group of incredible supportive very strong women badass women badass badass women um speaking of badass women this week we spoke to jocelyn bull um, who is also known as Mothering Solo on Instagram. Um, she is not only dealing with infertility, but she's doing it by herself. So she doesn't have a partner. Yeah, seriously um, badass. That is seriously badass. And we had a really nice chat. Um, talked about everything from, you know, getting kind of accidentally diagnosed with premature ovarian failure. Mm. Um, to how do you choose a sperm donor? Yeah, I mean, or how do you even decide to do it on your own? What's the process of that? Like, yeah. it's all very interesting. The sperm donor stuff was particularly interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yes. Um, and also just stuff about um, how, you know, where she gets her support from, which was yeah. really cool. And hopefully for anybody who's in that position, helpful. Yeah, hopefully inspiring. Um, she's, yeah, she's brilliant. You'll love her. Yeah, you will. Those of you that aren't aware of her. And also when she came to a party, she was wearing a really cool, like, um, silvery blouse. Mm, she was very shiny, really cool and shiny, and I was a bit jealous. Yeah, I wasn't. I did not have enough sparkle, <laughs> except my like ice crown that you Excuse bought. Excuse me, yeah, yeah, I bought you that ice crown for a reason. <laughs> Snowflake crown. The ice crown was important. <laughs> we looked like we were on Frozen. <laughs> um, and you spoke to Professor Tim. I did. I spoke to Professor Tim about CoQ10. CoQ10. Or CoQ10, yes, indeed. Um, the supplement that is um, heralded in the book, it starts with the egg. Cool. And now taken by me. 
and cool. my husband. Um, so yeah, we put it to Professor Tim to see what he thinks, whether it's just a load of nonsense or whether okay. it's worth taking. And other than that, just a quick reminder that we are doing like a kind of ask me anything thing because we just think we're so legendary. <laughs> um, for our Christmas show, we've got a Christmas show on Christmas Day. Yeah. Um, so if you've got any burning questions you want to ask us... Probably not um, medical questions. Yeah, we can't don't come to, medical advice. Yeah, don't come to us for medical advice. I think a few people have done that, and uh, that's yeah, we can't not help. what we can provide. No. I mean, we'd like to try. I mean, yeah, we can give it a go. I fear, but I fear we might be better talking about <laughs> silly things. Silly things. Yeah, <laughs> let's keep this light and so, Christmassy. Yes. Um, but yeah, send those over to us, and you can send them to us by emailing us at bigfatnegativepodcast at gmail dot com, or you can Instagram them to us. Instagram Instagramming them to yes. us at, at Big Fat Negative. And you can tweet them to us <laughs> at Big Fat Negative. But you can send us a message on Facebook. Why not? Why not? Big Fat Negative. And that's it. Please enjoy yeah. the show. Uh, also, please, um, if you have the time and the inclination, rate and review us yeah. on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get them if you're able to rate and review. And then enjoy the show. Indeed. <laughs> Ciao. <laughs> Bye. two week wait I've I've got an embryo in me it may or may not be alive it is alive we'll see um so I don't want to give too much detail because we're going to do a two week wait episode next week Mm -hmm. um so pick up where you left off which was after the scan yeah so after the scan um I took got on my progesterone guys I have selected the front Despite a lot of people's advice, the nurse said front is better. Did she say why it's better? She said the back door can get irritated. Mm. Irritated. Um, anyway, yeah, so did that and then just waited until the Tuesday, mm-hmm. which was um, embryo transfer day. Went into the um, clinic half an hour early. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, because of, of this whole thing. Where do you remember last time when I when I went for like an important appointment? They like booked it on the wrong day. Yeah, and there'd been two slots. We'd chosen one, and they booked me in for the other. So when it came to the embryo transfer, there'd been two slots, one after the other, oh. and I went for the later one because right. I had acupuncture first, mm-hmm. um, which is really chilled, and um, and so I went in just in time for the early one, just in case. Oh, that was very clever, Emma. Mm. Thanks. So. Well, um, how was the acupuncture beforehand? Was that right ahead of it? Yeah. So I had acupuncture at ten a.m. and I went to see my lovely acupuncturist, who is one of the best people I know. And she was really like, "Come on, be positive." And I was like, "I'm not feeling that positive." Um, I do you know what? My mental attitude all the way through this has been like, "I'm not sure this is our time," but I'm excited to take the next step. Okay. And I don't know, I think it's mainly just trying to shield myself from what is likely to be the outcome. Yeah. And it's interesting because I was reading, um, for another project we're working on, I was reading a thing on the Fertility Network, which is aimed at family and friends, people going through infertility. And like so many people have said to me, come on, positive attitude, cheer up. And I on this thing from the fertility network they said going doing IVF is not the same as doing a job interview a positive attitude is not going to get you a better result Mm. and they said you know they may people may choose to be more realistic about it but the acupuncturist is one of the most positive people in the whole world and she's so infectiously great and positive that I actually did feel quite positive by the time I left well she's kind of got to be right she's all about the energy so if anyone's going to believe that energy matters she's honestly I I was so sceptical about acupuncture when I started. But I just, I, I mean, maybe it's the effect of just lying down by yourself in a room quietly for an hour that really helps. But I felt really calm and great when I came out. What about your ear seeds? Didn't have any ear seeds when I left. Oh. It was only the, the one before that that she gave me ear seeds. But I didn't, I didn't feel like I needed ear seeds. Like. Okay, fine. Anyway, so we arrived um, at the clinic and quite early had a little talk before which we will put on the next um episode and um I guess a couple of things to note um 
firstly, the process of an embryo transfer takes roughly three minutes. From start to end, it's... A smear test is probably takes longer. Are you allowed to snog your husband while it's happening? I held his hand. Oh, okay. No tongues? No tongues. <laughs> <laughs> um, he looked really awkward all the way through. He just... he. he he doesn't love to be in a room where he's an extraneous part. <laughs> but I held his hand because it is a funny feeling. Yeah. With that that going up you. Yeah, I bet. It's a thin catheter. So do you, do you, yeah, I was going to say, is it, do you feel it? Yeah, you feel it in the same way that a hand puppet would feel a person. Oh no, don't say that. That going sounds up. really violated. <laughs> it's, no, it's just really, it's like a strange feeling in a place that you don't have nerves. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't really have nerve endings. It's like mm. once I had a heart operation and they um, cut open the veins at the tops of my legs and put catheters up there. And it was just a really strange feeling because you don't really have nerve endings in your veins. So you feel it, but it's not sore. Yeah, it's just a weird feeling. Okay. But it's the same as a smear test, really. It's not okay. any different. Mm. Um, and also, I asked two things. Number one, how many times a day do they go through that? Um, procedure and 16 16 yeah so they are pros wow they are like really good at what they do or really experienced anyway um and number two how do they avoid putting in the wrong embryo into the wrong person oh that's a good question yes so they've got this like um thing that's called an electronic witnessing system and if they pick up the wrong petri dish and like a massive alarm sounds and goes mental (gasps) Um, and also they have to check your name and day of birth at like every pro- every step of the process and nice. like make sure every time. Can you imagine if I, they put the wrong one You in? know, if you Google it, it has happened, but oh I'm guessing God. they didn't have the electronic witnessing um, system because like the reason I freaked out, no, I wasn't freaking out, but the reason I asked... You were curious, Emma. I was curious, but also on egg collection day, there was another couple called Emma and John. No. Yes. <gasps> Emma and John. Yes. They're but, not as good as you. Well, she was a woman of colour. Okay. So if we have a baby of colour, well, we'll know where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Amazing. Yes. So um, that's all that's all the information I'm gonna give, other than the fact that two week wait is a total head fuck. Uh-huh. I wish somebody could just put me in like a light coma right. for two weeks and <clears> then <throat> just wake me up and tell me whether it worked or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been nice. But what are you gonna do? Uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. No. No. Um, so we, you're going to get through it, mate. Thanks, mate. I've only got a few days to go now. Yeah, exactly. But fuck me, Dr. Google. Stay strong, mate. Come on. Mate, how are you? More um, importantly. <laughs> not not more importantly. Way more importantly. Definitely not more importantly. I'm okay, I'm okay. Um, I, I got my period yesterday, which I'm kind of really just quite pissed off about. Fair. Um, I think I'm just like, even though we're in this whole process, we're going to go for IVF. So, you know, really, I should probably start to move away from thinking that it's going to work every month. But but what about all those miracle babies? Yeah, exactly. The ones where you get signed up for IVF and then get pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was aiming for this month. Not happened. And uh, no, it didn't happen. So I was furious because like, I don't know, I just sick of it. When's it going to happen? If people keep saying, like, we can get pregnant naturally, why the fuck hasn't it happened? Yeah, so I'm just a bit annoyed. But it's only, you know, I've got my period, so I've probably got a bit of PMT anyway. <laughs> no, I understand fury. your frustration. It's It must be really frustrating if somebody says you can get pregnant naturally mm. and then it's not happening. I leapt out of bed on Saturday morning and um, went to the loo and had a little bit of spotting, but it was, of course, it was that kind of implantation bleeding spotting so I was like you know maybe that's it so I got into bed and I did this thing where I like put my hands like I lay really still and I put my hands like where I think my womb is probably not where it actually is but where I think it is and like I I, this sounds really hippy dippy don't judge me I like sent energy down to my womb I was like if it's trying to implant I'm going to send energy down and like give it strength I think we do we do crazy stuff like that and I lay there and I was I had a, a nice moment I like I lay there and I was like felt quite good. I was like, oh, this is a good thing to do. And then I like got ablation. I was like, yeah, yeah, that totally worked. The acupuncturist would love you for that. Yeah. Mm. Well, you know, I think it's probably a good thing to do. I'm not going to stop. No. Fuck it. Send energy. So I'm going to send energy. It's not going to harm it, is it? No, exactly. 
I was I was in a good mood after it, so it didn't do me any harm. But yeah, yesterday I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake, what a waste of time that was. Um, so yeah, that happened. But anyway, besides the period, mm. last week was a tale of two appointments. Okay, appointment number one. So we got it kind of ways. We went to the clinic on Tuesday. Yeah. And we weren't getting my husband's results for the very expensive test until the Friday. Okay. Felt like I probably should have had the res- te- the results before we went into the clinic. However, yeah, that was the NHS for you. That wasn't the way the cookie crumbled. Yeah. Um. So went into the clinic, and um, firstly met the lovely Cat Brown oh, in the waiting what? room. That's yeah. So cool. Yeah. It was great. God, I- I've never seen anyone I know in the waiting room. I know, right? So I saw her, and I was like, oh, like a cl- clinic's probably not where you want to see someone you know and have like a chat. Yeah. But I was like, I can't not say hello. Yeah. So I was like, cat. And she was like, oh, we just turned around and we had a lovely chat. Oh, that's so she nice. Met Mr. Gabby. Oh. And yeah. Did you meet Mr. Cat? I didn't meet oh. Mr. Cat. No, he wasn't there. Um, but cat is just lovely. So that was a nice treat. Yes. And when the nurse came to get us, she was like, oh, you're making friends. And I was like, I already know these. I've already got friends here, mate. Make friends. Um, so we were there to get our kind of tests done because i think they they test you for lovely things such as hiv and hepatitis Mm -hmm. rubella before you you have to do it within three months i think of starting ivf or maybe one month okay anyway so we went ended those so blood tests for me and my husband we test for me as well oh lovely yeah my husband recoiled in horror when i (laughs) when i carried the test tube of we back in i was like have you never seen my we before (laughs) Come on. Do you not wait in front of him? I suppose he hasn't seen my wee before. Why would he have? Do you not, like, go to live in front of each other? Yeah, well, sometimes. But he didn't see the wee, does he? No. I always flush. Okay. Anyway. Very clean of Interesting insight. Um, (laughs) And then we went to see the doctor, um, who, by the way, I'm I really liking more and more every time I see him. Cool. Even though sometimes I don't always understand everything he says. Oh, well. But um, I just say I quite like him. He's a nice guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were talking about my drug plan. Mm Mm-hmm which I think is he decided he's going to put me on quite a low stim. Okay. Um, because he said I've got a decent enough ovarian reserve. He said something about me being tall and slim, which I particularly enjoyed. <laughs> um, <laughs> my husband scoffed and was like, oh, <laughs> all the compliments. Um, so, so, yeah, the drugs have been ordered. Okay. They're arriving on Wednesday. Oh my god. So they'll be going into my fridge. That's so exciting. I know. And so um the so what he said was, you know, you're not this period obviously, but the next one, um, I'll be starting injections on the first second day of the period, which is due to be, according to my calendar, in between Christmas and New Year. Oh great. Merry fucking Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Get your pointy sticks out. Yeah, that'll yeah. be lovely. Yeah. It's fine. It's good. It's yeah. it's it felt um it felt exciting at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, still exciting, right? It's exciting. It's exciting. It's exciting. But at the time, I was like, but this could all get pushed back because of Friday's results. So yeah. I couldn't get too excited. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are booked in anyway to go back on the twentieth December to have a scan, make sure everything's good inside. Date with Wanda. Oh yeah, and also get a little lesson from the nurse. Cool injection oh. lesson. Yeah. I can tell you how to do it. You grab your fat and then you stick the needle in. Grab your fat, stick the needle. Yeah, grab I think you fat. might need to eat a bit more. Shut up, mate. There's plenty there. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. I guess after Christmas, you'll be all right. Especially yeah. between Christmas and New Year. Um, so, yeah, so that was really good. And I felt nice coming out of there with that kind of plan. Although, obviously, advancing to, to Friday where we're getting the test results with trepidation. Mm, yeah. Um, but... But so yeah, so Friday came and... Remind me what you had, you were being tested, or Mr. Gabby was being tested so, for. The urologist, Ram Dogs, Ram Diddley, <laughs> Jonathan Ramsey, to use his full title, <laughs> um, suggested that my husband have a DNA fragmentation test mm-hmm. because it's something that isn't picked up in regular semen analysis and can have quite a big effect on success okay so um there was that but there was also we were testing for um kind of by um we were testing for infections okay so there could be like a bacterial infection that's causing a problem um we also they also tested for oxidation in the in the sperm which is bad apparently it's like stress stress oxidation you don't want stress sperms 
don't want stressed sperms. No. No, you want, okay, you want like ambitious and driven sperms. Yeah, obviously, but ones who know how to manage their time well. Yeah. With a good work-life balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not like going around in circles going, oh God, I don't know how I'm going to manage all this work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want like, like focused. Yeah. Driven. Yeah, not yeah. laid back though. Okay. Not too laid back. Anyway, um, so there you was that. You just talk to the mic. Sorry, yeah. yeah. So with that, there was also the um, regular sperm analysis. And so, yeah, there was five, there were five altogether, and um, so basically, we went in, and Jonathan Ramsey. The first thing he said was, "Remind me again when you gave up smoking," and we were like, "Oh, it was about six months ago, wasn't it? Maybe just over six months." And he's like, "Well, whenever it was, you've done wonders. Oh. You've made a big difference." Um, oh, Mr. Gavi, well done. I know. So. Basically, the um, so the analysis showed that he has 27 million motile sperm, well, which enough. has gone up significantly. Okay. Um, the morphology was back down to 1%. Oh. But Ram Dogs was like, let's ignore the, the morphology. It doesn't actually matter because you've got 27 million motile sperm getting yeah. to the egg. And that's the figure that we should care about. Yeah. He didn't seem to care about morphology. Okay. Which is good. That's, that's good. Yeah. That's um, like 27,000? I'm not going to try and do this math. I don't, yeah. He did some maths. I, I really don't know. Okay. He also did um, this brilliant doodle, which I'm oh. showing Emma now, which is um, an egg eating a Dorito or a pizza, slice of pizza. Yeah, it looks like pizza, I was going to say. That's um, that's a cavalcade of sperm travelling in a triangle, ah. just so you know. Okay. Because apparently they, they all help each other out. When one gets to the egg, the other guys all help each other out with like okay. hormones and stuff. So, so a bit like slipstreaming. <laughs> it looks like they're slipstreaming, like a like bicycle pelotons. A bit like that, yeah. Yeah, okay. So he was like, well, you've got the egg, tick. And you've got like a decent egg. He just assumed I do. I mean, okay. we don't know that, but we're assuming. And then he's like, and now you've got this like huge cavalcade of sperm, tick. And now, how's your DNA fragmentation? And we were like on the edge of our seat, like, well, how is the fragmentation? Yeah. And it basically is 8%. Okay. And what does that mean? That means that there's only 8% of his sperm has fragmentation. Oh, great. Which below, anything below 15% is brilliant, apparently. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks to Gabby is doing so well. So well. Yeah, it was good. Um, and so there was less, like all of the infections, there, were, there was nothing to see there either. So like, nope, 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 no. And only 8% DNA frag. This D-frag. is fabulous. <laughs> D-frag. Yeah. <laughs> this is great news. I know it was, it was. He was. He was really chipper. He was like, "Look, guys, there's no reason. Again, there's no reason you couldn't get pregnant naturally." Did you stand up, pick like swipe everything off the desk and go, "Fuck you"? Why you aren't like, I then? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I restrained myself. Okay. Plus, I was I was in a good mood at that point. I hadn't okay. got my period. I was still in the hope zone. Okay. I was like, "Of course," and it's happened now. <laughs> I'm pregnant right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he was really upbeat. He said, you know, but he was, he really cautioned us because he was like, when are you doing IVF? And we we're like, oh, end of the month. And he was like, look, you know, you guys are, you're clever people. You, you're going to go into this with, you know, your eyes open. Mm-hmm. IVF doesn't always work. But I don't want you to be disheartened by that because, you know, what you've got here are good results and there's no reason you can't get pregnant naturally again. Um so don't let any failures stop you and dishearten you from, from trying. Okay. And then he was like, I'll tell you what the script is. He was like, I reckon you'll do IVF, it won't work, and you'll get pregnant the next month naturally. Okay. Is but that a good thing to say? I at, at the time, the way he delivered it, I was yeah. like, yeah. Brilliant. Great news. Yeah. I think he meant it in the nicest possible way. I think he's like, he's trying to make sure that we're not like assuming that IVF is going to work. Yeah. And also giving us hope that if it doesn't hope, if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. Okay. Obviously it does. Yeah. But he did some, um, he pulled out some piece of paper because we were asking what the chance, if, if the DNA fragmentation news had upped our chances of IVF success. Yeah. So we whipped out this study that he's got from Australia, it seems. Um, and it, he worked out that it's about 40% chance. That's pretty good. I think that's good, right? Yeah. I mean, it's still not... Still more chance ten. of it not working than working. I think there's always more chance of it working, not working than working. Oh, yeah. I don't think you get better odds than that, really. Yeah, that's that's better than my odds. We do, You don't know that. I know. I think I've, we've worked it out at about 30. I think. Mm. I can't... Anyway. Anyway. 
Cool. So yeah, it was so good. Firmly in the hope zone, or slightly pissed off but hopey zone. Yeah, uh, like so so relieved about the results. Yeah, I'm really really pleased. Obviously, my husband is delighted. Um, <laughs> is he prancing around? Yes, yeah, yeah. And uh, and we spoke to him about. We were like, oh, oh. So do you think we can have a glass of wine at Christmas? And he was like, yes, you should have a glass of wine. A lovely aged claret. Um, <laughs> So so he said that, yeah, we're okay to have a couple of glasses of wine at Christmas as well, which is nice. Are. Yeah. So, um, yeah, all good. That's fabulous news. Full steam ahead. Yeah. Oh, how exciting. In between Christmas and New Year. Yeah. No one ever achieves anything in between Christmas <laughs> and New Year. <laughs> you can achieve a child. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> hey, Justin. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. very cool in her like golden jumper <laughs> well it's december now and i made the decision to act as a human advent calendar yes for every work day in december oh, so it. this is day one yeah nice red human... lips thank you Appreciate thank it. you i'm not quite sure how i'm going to manage it for 15 days <laughs> you should get some we'll bauble earrings and just yes. rock those all the time i yeah yeah i have been thinking about that so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so we start every podcast and ask the same question. Tell us about your journey. Oh, um, well, the short version is that uh, my journey is a journey to mothering solo mm-hmm. or being a single mother by choice, as the phrase goes. Uh, so I'm 39. I am single and I'm trying to have a baby by myself. Um, cool. Yeah. And when did you decide that that was something you wanted to do? Well... I decided ooh, about about 18 months ago, mm. um, on the about a week after my 38th birthday. So if I kind of if I take you take you back a bit, uh, back to my my teens and my 20s. So mm. I was in I was in relationships all through my teens and 20s, and then got to my 30s and wasn't anymore. Mm. Um, so. I sort of started thinking about my fertility in my sort of early mid thirties, mm. and then went through a process of um, investigating egg freezing, and then ultimately came to the decision to just go for it and try and have a baby, wow. so, which isn't proving very successful so far. But <laughs> <laughs> hopefully both. that will change. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, you, when you, it was while you were discovering egg, egg freezing mm. that you kind of you found out that there were more complications right yes so um when I when I first looked at egg freezing yeah as I said I was in my sort of mid mid early 30s and I thought oh that would that that would be a good idea that would give me like a good backup if I don't find the man that I'm clearly going to find uh, in the next couple of years if that doesn't happen then this will be a good backup and I started looking into that and then I moved away for a while. I lived in New York for a year and a half and then I came back. Um, by that point, I was, I don't know, 36, something like that. And I finally got around to actually looking at it properly. And I went at the end of 2015 to have all of the fertility tests that you'll all be very familiar with. Oh, yeah. Oh, the blood tests. <laughs> um, and they said, oh, your, uh, your fertility is, is not not very good at all um I had really yeah isn't it um that I had low ovarian reserve or um premature ovarian failure as they like to call it yeah so So that's nice um make you feel good about yourself um and so I was suddenly presented with this scenario where trying for a baby or or trying to freeze my eggs or anything to do with my fertility Mm. was going to be much more challenging than I had, had thought it was going to be um and that was a that was a huge shock because I had naively assumed that my fertility would be uh, average or smugly was confident that it would be above average because there's so many women in my family who've had babies in their late 30s, early 40s. And I thought, oh, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to mm. be fine. And then I was totally not fine. Um, so so that was kind of the, the, the beginnings of it. And... I was told things like, oh, we'd expect to see these results in someone 10 years older than you. Yeah. (laughs) Cheery. Yes. Um, And if you want to have a baby naturally, then you should probably get on with it in the next six months. 
Like, oh, well, that's handy because I haven't got anyone to make a baby oh, with. God. So six months, you're <laughs> on Tinder, not like, gonna work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quick, quick, quick! Gotta, gotta find a baby. Do they maker. actually say that to you? They actually someone say did that say that to me. Yeah, on a on a call. It's helpful advice about. Oh, yeah. Hmm. So that wasn't very helpful. Um. So I decided to to start going down the egg freezing route anyway. And in early 2016, I began a round of egg freezing, which was abandoned due to poor response, which I had been warned um, could happen. Then I switched clinics and through 2016, I did have two rounds of relatively successful egg collection Mm. and egg freezing um, and ended up with a sort of a handful of eggs in the freezer, banked, good, well done. which was good. Uh, and then I had been planning to to do another round of egg collection and egg freezing because I knew I was going to have to do multiple rounds to get a, a decent sort of number of eggs. Um, and by that point, it was the beginning of 2017, sort of spring 2017, and I just wasn't really, I just wasn't really feeling it. You, mm. you, and I couldn't put my finger on why I was hesitating about going for this next round and then I had my my birthday uh turned 38 and I was sat in my kitchen about a week after my birthday thinking about the whole thing mulling it over and made the decision to just try for a baby and it was that it was that quick yeah uh and I I'd just been thinking I can wait I can wait to find well I can wait to try and find a husband um or I can try and have a baby but it suddenly struck me that I didn't really have the time to do both and if I was going to try and do it in the way that I had always thought I was going to do it which was find the man get married have a baby Mm. I was probably going to miss the chance to to Mm. have a baby so that suddenly became very clear to me and I remember that afternoon being delighted by this decision that I had made I was more excited about it than I'd been about anything in in years Uh, I was beside myself with excitement I remember calling my sister and saying I'm gonna have a baby Mm -hmm. and she's like okay (laughs) (laughs) that's good (laughs) off you go then um and then from there started the process of IVF Mm. and talked to the clinic about going that step further and actually fertilising the eggs that, that I'd been collecting and found a sperm donor and so just, to just went down that you, path. How do you choose a sperm donor? Like, talk us well, through it practically um, and emotionally. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. There are, there's quite a few different ways to do it, but my clinic that I had been using uh, recommended two different donor agencies to me, both of whom were in the States, I think. One might have been in Europe, but one was definitely in the States. Do you think it's more of a thing in the States? I think there is a, there's a greater number of donors, I think, in, in the States, partly because of the laws around anonymity and... Right identification in in the UK but so what so they recommend you uh, an agency yes and then what they send you like a catalogue sort of it's a bit like it's a bit like online dating actually so I signed up with the agency Mm -hmm. uh, paid a small fortune to be able to access their donor database and then put in the criteria that were important to me and then just sat and browsed all these pictures of... <laughs> and is it photos of them, like, as adults or as children? In, for this particular agency, they, they did include adult photos and um, baby photos as well. Right. That's not common in other uh, donor agencies. So in the UK, you don't get that, you don't get that information. But right. it's different levels of information availability in different places. But, yeah, I had adult photos and reams of information about their medical background and family background. Do you mind if I ask what your criteria was starting off? Uh, So I had some criteria that were pretty much compulsory. So because I was having treatment in the UK, I had to select a UK compliant donor. Mm. So that meant that they they were willing to comply with the UK regulations around anonymity. So you might be familiar with that, but the HFEA said about 10 years ago that identifying information of donors uh, would be held on record and be made available to the children, donor-conceived children, if they requested it when they got Mm. to 18. So that um, is not the case in the US necessarily, but donors uh, in other countries whose sperm is being used in the UK must comply with that regulation. So that was the first one. That's quite a big hurdle, is it? Uh, I mean, it it cut out a whole load of okay. people on the database. Yeah. Uh, so that was the first one. Uh, then there was also a blood test they do called CMV, which I had never heard of. Um, but I was CMV negative, so I was looking for a CMV negative donor. Okay. So they were the first ones. Then there were some physical characteristics and things like eye colour, hair colour, um, trying to match somebody who looked roughly like somebody in my family might okay um yeah they were kind of the main things you went for people you went for guys that kind of had similar characteristics to you rather than like some kind of I don't know Aryan Aryan yeah I did and I mean it it wasn't really because I felt that to be the most important thing uh it was more thinking about it from the point of view of a donor conceived child in the future it if I have a child it would already be a slightly unusual Mm. situation so I think it would just be easier if the first thing someone notices is is not you look nothing like your mother (laughs) what's what's going on there and I know there's lots of families where that is the case but Uh it was it was more if this person looks like they belong in my family that will probably make life a bit easier so yeah definitely yeah absolutely um, so how like how has your family reacted to this or, and your friends? Have they been largely supportive or has anyone been a dick about it? Uh, nobody has been a dick. That's great. I'm very pleased to be able to say that yes. nobody has been a dick. Um, I have been really well supported and all of my friends and family have been wonderful about it. So I've no doubt that there are people in the world who do think this is a ridiculous thing to do, but fortunately I have not come across any of them no. yet. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, they've been really good. good. They've been really good. And so um so what happened once you chose your So choosing donor? the sperm donor, once I'd narrowed it all down, I had about half a dozen that uh I like the look of and that met all my criteria and I made a spreadsheet mm-hmm. and right. I scored them all Lovely. <laughs> very organized about the whole thing scored them all against their different different criteria and I sent it to my sister and my best friend and got their view on it as well very important mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep and then yeah picked the sperm donor 
shipped his sperm over from the US. That was a weird moment, suddenly like placing the court Uh, I didn't get the package no (laughs) it went straight to the (laughs) clinic but there was this day when I thought I'd I'd placed the call I'd made the order and I thought oh my goodness there's this there's this young kind of American guy who's who's happily skateboarding his way to college or whatever (laughs) he was doing at the time he's really young and uh his sperm is somewhere over the Atlantic flying across to London for me to try and make a baby with that's insane (laughs) bizarre it's really bizarre it was really strange um so yeah so the sperm landed in the UK safe arrival of of the donor sperm (laughs) yes there needed to be a little parade yeah. yes yeah yeah I was sort of texting my sister going it's landed it's here <laughs> <laughs> it's in the country um, so the sperm arrived and then um I had had various other tests with the clinic and that showed various reproductive immune issues so that was another hurdle and I know not all clinics go into that that sort of thing but the Mm. clinic that I've been using is pretty hot on that so I had to wait for some time before actually starting IVF because we were trying to bring down the cytokine levels that had been detected. What is the cytokine? Oh I knew you were going to ask me that as soon as you (laughs) mentioned it and I cannot explain it it's the whole thing is pretty much a mystery to me but it's to do with um the, the it's all to do with the, your immune system and how your particularly how your immune system responds to the actual quite unusual situation of a piece of foreign material mm. entering your body uh, and and the body having to accept it and the cytokines are to do with inflammation in the body so the drug that I was taking um, called Humira is actually used uh, to treat. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis that's an inflammatory condition as well so I took a course of that drug and that brought the levels down and then I was good to go right and had had the round of IVF at the back end of last year that was not not successful unfortunately Uh, and then had another round this year following some more treatment for immune issues and that was not successful either (laughs) Oh. <laughs> they don't tell you that it doesn't work, do no, they? When they you hear you about that. IVF, you just say, "Oh, IVF equals yeah, baby," no and that is and when not the case work, at all. You need to then go and find a reason why. Like you're mm. desperate to find a reason mm-hmm. why, and, and the doctors quite often will just go, "Well, sometimes it just doesn't work," mm. and you're like, "No, that's not a good reason." I found that to be so frustrating that it can be such. It's such a miraculous uh, science, and I mean, I'm so brilliantly grateful that it exists at all but I'm also furious that it's not better Mm. do you think okay we've been doing this for 40 years now surely surely Mm. you can work out why it doesn't work we had that when we were talking to Jane Alangadia because she kept saying well I'm sure I'm sure things have improved now yes I listened to her yeah I'm sure they have actually like you know some things probably have improved yeah I don't think that many things it feels like as soon as they put the embryo back in it's Luck of the drawer, yeah. off you go. <laughs> they should have a little, like, nest you near know, the, like, camera. Yeah. Just so you can look on your own. cam. Watch yeah. It. cam, yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, yeah. You'd, you'd, yeah. you'd be on that all the time, though, wouldn't yeah. you? you wouldn't... I'd literally just be like... <laughs> Day five yeah. in the womb. <laughs> no, probably, probably best just to yeah, let it maybe. do its thing. Why aren't you implanting? Yes. Yes. So, yeah, so the IVF didn't work. Um, and did you have many embryos from... Um... No, I mean, they talk about IVF being a numbers game and the numbers were not in my in my favour. Mm. So I had had, I think it was seven mature eggs banked in the freezer from my two rounds of egg collection. Uh, in my first and in my second round of IVF, actually, I just produced two eggs that were then fertilised. None of the eggs that I had frozen survived the thaw. No. So they couldn't be used at all. So that was just a huge waste of time and money, which was that's so gutting. Do they talk to you about that? Because I don't think I've oh, heard. They... they said it was very unusual. Oh, gosh. Was it a fuck really up? Well, I asked myself that, of course, as, as you would do. And I had wondered that. I, I had wondered that. I just thought, nobody says that this is possible. Nobody says that you, you freeze the eggs and then none of them survive. That's just not 
what what's what's told and so I did wonder that I wondered whether you start thinking did they exist at all I mean I've never seen them so <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> there's just some marks on a chart no somewhere like, <laughs> were there any eggs um so I did I did talk to the clinic quite thoroughly about it and I did scrutinise my notes. I mm. pretended that I needed to see my notes to check a credit mm. card record or something and then I sat there poring over them, yeah. making sure that the, the records about there being eggs and them being defrosted and the results of that were, were in place, which they seem to be. So who knows? Who knows? It's just so fucking frustrating. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. And expensive. Yeah. And that was... I mean, there's been many disappointing points, but that was, aside from the very first test that I had when I was told that I had the fertility of someone 10 years older, um, aside from that, the most difficult part was a call I got from somebody at the clinic the day after my eggs had been, uh, I'd had egg collection and they'd been fertilised. And she was calling to tell me the results of the fertilisation. And she talked me through, oh, you had two fresh eggs and uh, two of them are fertilised. So this is what's going to happen. Da, 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 da. We'll get you in for egg transfer, hopefully on this day. And I said, oh, that's good. Um, what what about all the frozen ones? She went, oh, uh, oh, has, has no, did, did, uh, did nobody call you yesterday? Like, no, nobody called me yesterday. Oh, she said, no, oh, none, of, none of them, none of them made it. Oh, what? Oh, yeah. It was. Oh, so bad. Anyway. Um. So yeah, egg freezing. Not all it's not cool. Cracked cracked up to be. (laughs) Okay. Um. Okay. So, applying that, you're. Am I right in saying you're now looking into egg donors as well? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So I had my follow-up consultation with the clinic. Uh, after my last round um, a couple of months ago now mm. and I had I'd already been considering going down the egg donor route and the double donation route because uh, there were plenty of indicators that this this was going to be challenging mm. and it might not might not work for me so I had pretty much decided earlier this year that if the round of IVF that I was doing this year uh, didn't work that that's that's the route that I would I would go down and so when I had the the consultation as a follow-up um that was yeah that came up a, again and, mm. and and the doctor asked me if I had considered that and suggested that that might be the best route and said said obviously that I could continue to try uh but that the chances were were not not very high at all mm. uh I think he said it was about I don't know, five to ten percent chance if I was carrying on trying to use my own eggs, and you sort of think, oh, well, that's that's not too bad, is yeah. it? And then you turn it around and say, hang on, that's if someone said to you, this has got a ninety-five percent mm. chance of failing, you probably <laughs> wouldn't do it, and you probably wouldn't spend thousands of pounds on it. So yeah, it just seemed to me that I'd got to that point where it was it was too much. I, I had wanted to try. Uh, I knew it was a long shot. I had wanted to try to have a baby that was genetically related mm. to me um but yeah I'd got to the point where I thought that that's that's not gonna that's gave not it gonna work shot. I gave it a good shot yeah. uh so yes I'm now looking at going down the donor route and the last couple of months have been about not really making the decision about whether to do it or not because I'd kind of already come to that decision Mm. earlier in the year but trying to figure out the different options available and the different ways of going about that which has been much more complicated than finding a sperm donor when the clinic just said oh use the use this agency and then you go online find a sperm donor and just just sort of do it um I guess you have to sync yourself up with someone else don't you you do but it's not I haven't even haven't got to that point yet the things that have been that I've been finding difficult and it does make me think back to my decisions around sperm donation and I look back and think whoa I was a bit blasé about all of that wasn't I (laughs) he looks nice (laughs) I look back and think I really didn't agonize over the wait that's how we all choose sperm donors well yeah maybe it could have just been in a bar (laughs) oh yeah it's all right (laughs) yeah give it a go um yeah so I I sort of look back and think well I did I didn't agonize about the um Sort of the ethics of anonymity and all mm. that sort of stuff when I was selecting a sperm donor, but for some reason, 
I don't know whether it's that now I'm looking at two donors, so it's it's kind of all 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 them and not me, or whether it's because I'm replacing the part that I would have provided, mm. but it suddenly has this much greater significance, and I've been spending weeks just wrestling really with the the uh, the ideas of it all and, and really kind of questioning my I didn't expect to have to question my values and my morals and my ethics yeah. when I was thinking about the yeah. whole thing it's not just a What's, what are the big dilemmas for you well the things for me that have been challenging to work out are one of them is to do with information availability so there's kind of two sides to that there's the information that is available for you as a recipient to make a decision about a donor so like the database of Mm. pictures and information that I was browsing when when I was choosing a sperm donor and then there's also the information as I mentioned earlier that is potentially available to a donor conceived child in the future and there's different uh, there's different regulations about that depending on where you have treatment. So it's different in the US uh, where they provide lots of non-identifying information to help you choose a donor, but um, usually no information, uh, identifying information is available at a later oh. date unless, as I said, you choose a donor that's UK compliant. And then in the UK, they give you some information to, to make a decision uh, and that identifying information is is potentially available in the future. And then in Europe, if you go to Spain and Greece, and there's lots of clinics that are really highly regarded in this field uh, in, in Europe, uh, but they have nearly no information available at any point. Mm, yeah. So that's that's the kind of thing that's been challenging. How much information do I think I need to be able to, to go ahead with this? How much information do I think it is right to be available to a, potential child in the future and uh, what what does that mean for the donor like what's ethically right for somebody who's donating should they be able to be contacted it's lots of (laughs) it feels like when I did a-level philosophy yeah to do like debates yes it's Mm. a bit like that yes yeah anonymity of donors discuss yeah Yeah, yeah, it sounds like an essay question Mm. it's tricky so I've been wrestling with that and I've also had things on my mind to some extent about the the reasons why someone might donate mm. and how important that is to me because in the UK lots of donors are altruistic donors they are just doing this because they are wonderful people mm. um and it's a great aspect for a baby to have well yes it's yeah. like a self-selecting yeah. pool of really nice people <laughs> isn't it like if someone's chosen to get and we know what yeah. a shit thing to go through it is yeah. um how much effort it takes if someone has been prepared to do that i think that's going to be pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. pretty good uh, starting point, isn't it? Um, so there's that, and thinking about what motivates someone to donate, and whether that's commercial, monetary motivation, or whether it's altruistic yeah. motivation. And... Is there um, is there something that you, if you're going through IVF and you donate half your eggs, do you yeah, get... the egg sharing yeah. programs. Yes, yeah, that is also. Is, um... it, is that in the UK as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah some clinics do that. Quite yeah. a few clinics have a donor. Uh, egg sharing program so I've also been thinking about that too um but yeah lots of and you're still mm, mulling it all over I think I have come to a decision I haven't actioned it yet I've, I've been in this in this in this weird position where I feel like I can't make a decision because I haven't done all my homework I haven't done all my research <laughs> properly <laughs> you I haven't um diligent at school Yes. yes, yes, I was. <laughs> Can you tell? Uh, it was nice spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like I need all the pieces in place. I need to have spoken to all the clinics that offer egg donation. I need to have looked at mm. the options abroad mm. and then I need to put it all in a spreadsheet and add it up and mm. get the answer. And uh, so part of me feels like I need to do that. But I think part of me is resisting doing that because actually I think I've already made the decision. Right. So it feels a bit pointless. And I think... Um, I think I will stay in the UK and, and go um, and try to find an altruistic donor in the UK. And for me, that feels like feels like the option that aligns most closely with my my values and what I think is important. But there are there are downsides to it. So there are waiting lists. You typically wait longer than you might do if right. you went somewhere else. Uh, it's 
typically more expensive than doing it perhaps in Europe. Mm. So it's it's weighing all those things, the practical and the logical and the emotional. And... Well, it sounds oh. like you've definitely put a lot of thought <laughs> into it. So yes, <laughs> be confident. Yeah, yeah. Definitely... it felt like a really weighty decision, yeah, <laughs> which I guess it is. So. Um, I mean, what, you know, we touched briefly on kind of how your family had reacted. Mm. Um what support groups or support networks have you got in place? Like, are you, I mean, you, you call it mothering solo, but I feel yeah, like... Yeah, it's probably, not really mothering solo yeah. at all. There's lots of people, lots of people <laughs> involved. I'm not making a baby by myself at all. Um, so, so yes, my, my friends and family obviously have been a, a huge support. And for, I guess, the, the first... Mm, six 12 months actually of trying I I didn't have a lot of support I I hadn't reached out to any Mm. kind of support networks or um anything like that and um that was quite difficult I did actually feel like I was I was going it alone and then this year a couple of things changed uh first one was that I got in touch with the donor conception network uh, which is a brilliant organisation. And I've been to a couple of meetups that they organise for uh, single mothers who are thinking about or trying for a baby. Mm. So I've met some brilliant people through there. Uh, they produce lots of information and provide lots of research and um, material to read to help you make these sorts of decisions. So they've been they've been excellent and I would highly recommend them to anyone who's thinking of this sort of thing. Uh, and they support all sorts of different types of donor-conceived families. Mm. And then the second thing was Instagram, actually. Of course, mm, of course. Of course. Yes, and that was... I started my Instagram account in about May this year, so about six months ago. And it was mostly because... Or it was mostly purely selfish. I wanted somewhere that would act as a kind of scrapbook because there were so many weird little things that happened in the journey to <laughs> to trying for a baby oh, yeah. yeah all the weird all these drugs that you have to take like really oh I didn't think I'd be taking Viagra but okay <laughs> let's go for it <laughs> and yeah and all, yeah, all these all this strange stuff that happens and all these little decisions that you make mm. and uh, things you find out and I wanted a I wanted a record of yeah. it and along the way I had taken lots of photos and bits of video and so mostly I just wanted somewhere to put all of that where I could go back and say oh yeah that was that that was all the stuff that that happened when yeah. I was I when I was about doing the Viagra. This. Yeah, yeah I forgot yeah, about the Viagra funny. yes yeah 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 I forgot about the time all my ex didn't Thor um <laughs> all those happy memories <laughs> uh so that was the main reason I wanted just somewhere to put put all of that stuff but I talked to I happened to come across the Instagram account of a friend of mine who I hadn't seen for quite some time and it turned out she had been going through IVF for some years and had been Instagramming about it for for a little while and she and I met up and we were talking about it and she said how helpful she had found it mm. and how it had connected her to this this group of women who were all going through similar experiences and she had found that extremely helpful mm. and so that was that was the second reason why I did it I I thought oh okay I'll see if there's any, see if there's anyone out there and there are lots of people out there doing this kind of stuff and and that's been wonderful to be yeah. part of that I found that amazingly helpful I mean, I'm sure there are millions of women that are going through the same thing. Mm. I think someone referred to it as social infertility. Yes, I saw that in an article or something recently. Yeah, yeah. how do you feel yeah. about that as a... I, uh, social infertility... Yeah, I think the, 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 the idea behind it is sound because one thing I've noticed is that there hasn't been a single woman that I've come across who's going through this sort of thing who said yes I just put my career first and <laughs> mm. Mm. <laughs> it's just not this there's this stereotype about these this kind of career focused women who just put off having a baby and then turn around and go oh right I'll have one now shouldn't have tried to have it all should yeah you? shouldn't have tried to have it all and it just hasn't well I certainly haven't come across those women mm. there are other reasons why women are doing doing this now yeah um so yeah, I think I think. And also, how would you lots. afford all those treatments if you weren't working? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. 
It would be impossible. Thank God I've got a career. I know. I had to, <laughs> no one needed it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I guess that our last question mm. is about if you were speaking to somebody else who's in your position, what would be the, the bit of advice that you'd give them? Firstly, I think I would say, I would say go for it because... I mean, I'm not there yet, so maybe I will have a baby and then <laughs> think twice about it. But I tend to think that you very rarely regret the things uh, that you that you do. You tend to regret the things that you haven't done. And so, um, for me, that that was part of making the decision. It was it was a case of I don't want to, even though if I'm umming and ahhing about it. And there are still times now, even having spent thousands of pounds and lots of effort to to try and get to the point of having a baby, there are still times. Uh, where I think, oh, is this actually a good idea? Am mm. I going to be able to do this? Uh, but I don't. I don't want to to look back and not have at least tried. So that would be my first piece of advice. And then I think the second would be to um, to find some other people who are going through the same sort of thing, whether that is on Instagram or on forums or Facebook or the Donor Conception Network or something like that, uh, because it's it's. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, going through any sort of fertility treatment under any circumstances is really, really tough and heartbreaking. Mm. Um, And sometimes it does feel like you are doing it completely by yourself. I mean, when I'm at home sticking the injections in and working out which drugs to take and stressing that I've dropped a bit or... Mm. (laughs) um, Yeah, there's, there's no one there to help with that, but having more general support and being able to talk to people about the decisions that you're making and and how to go about it I think is really really important I think that's probably going to be quite inspiring for people oh I hope so (laughs) (laughs) thank you very much thanks for having me thanks for coming (laughs) now it's time for old wives tales fact or fiction Um, this week you're talking about something with Prof Tim that I don't really understand. Oh, good. I mean, me neither. I mean, not that I don't understand it. It's just that I've never really read about it. But you're like boshing those little pills, right? Yeah, yeah, I am. Ten to dozen. Well, no, one a day. But um, so basically, CoQ10 is something that I read about in It Starts With The Egg. Okay. It is, I'm going to say, an enzyme. Okay. But he's probably going to prove me wrong in a second. <laughs> um, basically, it's a kind of, it, it's antioxidant and it helps sort out your eggs and your sperm. Okay. Apparently. Sort them out. Yeah. Okay. Sort them right out. And all I really know about it is that it made your wee bright yellow. Well, I'm not sure if that's the culprit. Um, okay. There are a number of supplements that I'm boshing uh, on a nightly basis. So it could be any of those. But yes, it could be could be the one turning my pee yellow. Uh, also, the thing with COC-10, uh, sorry, yeah, COC-10, in my house, is that ubiquinol. Unobtainium. Unobtainium. Ubiquinol is apparently the one to get, which I hadn't gotten until very recently. Okay. So I was taking just regular old COC-10. So wait... The Common thing cocks. that sounds like it's ubiquitous was not in... <laughs> it was not ubiquitous, ubiquinum. Um, yeah, I was on common cock. Uh, and now I'm on ubiquium. Ubiquium? Ubiquium? <laughs> I, I feel we're going downhill. Oh dear. <laughs> I'm going to try and pull it back. Anyway, I asked Professor Tim what he thought about it. And he told me this. This is a hot topic at the moment. Uh, CoQ10 is uh, an antioxidant. So there's increasing evidence that... Um, High levels of oxidation in the body generally can be bad for fertility, um, heart function, brain function. It sort of can affect everything, really. And CoQ10 is a a naturally occurring antioxidant in the body. It has been suggested that levels of CoQ10 do decline as people age, which is partly why some specialists will suggest that people take CoQ10 for all sorts of different health factors as they get older. From a fertility perspective, perspective, there is some very, very poor quality evidence that women taking some form of an antioxidant, and that can include different types of vitamins as well, may be linked to improved success rates during IVF treatment. But what we don't know is what the side effects of taking high doses of these things are. So it's a bit of a tricky one. Um, For most people, I I think with a healthy healthy diet, um, it's more important to focus on normalizing weight not smoking 
and having a healthy diet, that will do more than potentially taking some, uh, you know, some tablets that we don't really know the side effects of. If people are worried about it, there are some preparations out there that are made by various companies that are focused on male and female fertility, and very often these will contain different types of antioxidants, one of which could be um, CoQ10. And I think if you're taking a, um, you know, if you're buying something from a pharmacy that actually has been prepared and the doses are considered to be absolutely fine, and then that may be beneficial. It may make no difference at all, but I don't think it'd be harmful. Okay, right. So I suppose better to stick to the prescribed amounts. Yeah, uh, you know, sticking to the amounts that um, some thought has been put into packaging it in a way that it's packaged with all sorts of other nutrients that may be beneficial or may make no difference. It's just that if people are buying this stuff off, off the internet, you know, I would have no idea what dose they should be taking. It's not been tested in any studies um, at all, really. It's unlikely to do any harm, but you know, this review from last year that put together all of the studies with antioxidants said very poor quality studies, maybe a slight benefit, but we don't know what the side effects are. Thanks, first Tim. Guys, it's the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, enjoy your um, usual shagging and uh, <laughs> monitoring and boshing your, your own supplements, whether you choose to continue with the cocktail or not. Next week, we're going to be talking about my two week wait. We are. So. So you've only got a one week wait. Yeah, for Emma's two week wait. Uh, So see you then. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.